Harmony. Would you stand up with us this morning? It's going to be a great day. It's nice and dry and warm in here. And it's a good day to worship God. We serve a powerful God that's large and in charge. So let's sing about him this morning as we sing about our unstoppable God. Sing with me right here. Heaven thundered and the world was born. Life begins and ends in the dust you form. Faith commanded and the mountains move. Fear is losing ground to our hope in you. chains undone. Sin defeated, Jesus has overcome. Mercy triumphed when the third day dawned. Darkness was denied when the stone was gone. Unstoppable God, let your glory This morning, sing with me. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Hey, look across the room this morning. Somebody tell them you're glad to see them. Sherry, it's good to see you this morning. 
glad to see y'all. Great singing this morning. You may be seated. And please pay attention to the video screens. Hey, Harmony. Hey, Harmony of Avon family, Scott Davis here. I'm looking forward to being back with you guys on Sunday morning, November 28th at 10 a.m. to help you kick off the Christmas season. And I'm really excited because this will be the first chance I'll get to wear my tacky Christmas jacket. Man, we're going to have a blast. We're going to have some humor, some music, and of course, a message from the Word of God. So I hope to see you Sunday morning, November 28th, 10 a.m. In a world of controversy, confront real-life issues facing humanity today. I remember dating this girl in college. I was driving along, she's sitting over there, and I don't remember what I said, but whatever it was, it, it made her mad. And she was looking out the window the rest of the night. All I saw was the back of her head. And I said, I said, baby, what's the matter? She didn't say a word. I said, honey, what's wrong? Not a word. I said, baby, tell me what's the matter. She turned around and said, nothing, leave me alone. I thought, ah! I thought her head was going to spin and green stuff starts spewing. Prepare to see the world differently as Scott Davis helps you grapple with life's insanities in his new comedy release. It's a sweet life. We're going to listen, we're going to learn, we're going to have a lot of fun as we kick off the Christmas season next Sunday. Well, between now and next Sunday, we have Thanksgiving, and I hope that you have an incredible week of being able to share some things that you are thankful for. In fact, uh, throughout the week, we're going to be contacting some of you just so we could get a, a quick video, uh, if you're willing to participate, of something that you are thankful for. Uh, all you have to do is just say something simple like, hi, my name is John, if your name is John, right? If it's Jerry or Gary or Mary or whatever, say that, and it's just going to be a, hey, I'm thankful for, and uh, it, it'll be a real quick opportunity for us to share some things that we're thankful for, because we all have a reason uh, to be thankful for something uh, as we gather and prepare uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving during this week. I want to encourage you to pray for uh, those that uh, need our prayers uh, during this time uh, as well. Uh, we have a cancer support group that was uh, supposed to meet this afternoon, uh, and uh, some of the, the leadership with that is out, uh, not feeling well today. Uh, so please uh, pray for them. Uh, but uh, that, that group meeting is, is canceled today, and uh, it will resume a little bit later. They'll get all the information out to you uh, for that. want to uh, let you know uh, that uh, we have lots of opportunities today, right? We've got the service that's going to continue, and I'm going to come back up in just a couple of minutes, and we're going to wrap up our series entitled Remarkable, and today we're talking uh, from Mark chapter 15, and we're just talking about the statement that says, truly this was the Son of God, and we're going to ask the question, how do we want to be remembered? And uh, when we look at the life of Jesus, and we look at our life and pull some practical things out for us, it's going to help us. But immediately following the service today, there is a packing party for Operation Christmas Child uh, that's taking place over in Founders Chapel. And if you've yet to pack a Christmas box for Operation Christmas Child, we have all the supplies, we have the boxes. If you want to head on over to the Founders Chapel immediately following the service, they've got instructions, they'll get you going. And uh, today may just put us over our goal. Uh, we're right on the verge of being able to 
pack and send out 700 boxes of our own, and that is absolutely awesome. So give yourself a hand. Let's celebrate that, right? Uh, that is a, a good thing. Uh, we're going to impact. Think about that. Just a few weeks from now, uh, we're going to be impacting uh, 700 plus children all around the world, and we're doing it from right here by partnering uh, with some others. So let's pray for that effort. Let's uh, continue to support that effort and do all we can uh, to make a difference in that. I want to ask you uh, to join me in prayer in just a moment. But I want to ask you to pray for Bud Rowe. Uh, Bud is uh, in, in the hospital. He's uh, battling COVID. Uh, he's not gotten any worse, uh, not getting any better. Uh, last report. So let's pray for him that God would be with him uh, and take care of him. And uh, today, Leon Manette is watching from home. Uh, and we want to pray for Leon uh, and Charlotte uh, that God would be with them and, and uh, bless them uh, as, as well. Because Leon is uh, battling sickness and, and uh, struggling a little bit. Uh, so Leon, we want you to know uh, that we're praying for you too. Uh, as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for uh, all that you've done and all that you're going to do. And Lord, I pray that as uh, we gather here today, as we bring in the things that have happened uh, this week, the things that are on our mind, uh, the struggles of life or the wins in life, the, the plans that, that we have to take care of just a, a little bit later, Lord, I ask that you'll help us to set all of those things aside, and Lord, that we will get caught up in the words that changed a soldier's life at the foot of the cross when he said, truly, this was the Son of God. Lord, may we come to that place in our life, and may we live in that place where we recognize Jesus for who he is, for all that he is. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Stand with us one more time as we consider what Jesus is to us. These next two songs help us stand in awe of who he is this morning. Sing with me right here. I will bless the Lord forever. I will trust him at all times.
our strong tower, our portion, our strength. It's all because of the way he loves us and he allows his love to shine through us. So as we sing about how marvelous his love this, this morning, just lift your voices with me as we sing how marvelous I stand amazed in his presence.
sounded so good. Let's do that one more time. Singing how marvelous how wonderful when my song shall Is my Savior's love with me. Father, I'm so thankful for your love. How you love us is beyond my imagination. And Father, as we gather here this morning to learn more about you out of Mark 15 and, and the story we're going to see here, how a centurion's life was changed because he recognized you as the son of God. Father, help us to recognize you that way in a great way today. Let your power and your presence fill this room. Father, send the Holy Spirit in to touch our hearts and to convict us. And Father, we just trust you with everything that's said and done. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm having a good time so far today, and I am glad I'm here. I hope that you are glad you're here, and I think we could just stay a while if it's going to keep being this good. I look out and I see people, and Randy Musselman, it is good to see you with us today. Glad to have you back with us uh, and, and uh, being here. I know you moved away, and uh, you're back today, and I looked over and saw you, and uh, it is good to have you, and uh, thank you for uh, coming back and uh, gathering with us today. Good to have you here. It's good to have all of you here. And you know, as we take a look at the, the series, The Remarkable Life and Story of Jesus, we have experienced all kinds of things. I mean, Mark's perspective, uh, it, it starts off and, and we see Jesus as a, an ordinary individual walking through life and then calling people out to follow him. And he invites common, ordinary people to, to come and follow him. And, and, and he asks Peter and James and John and Andrew to join him on the journey. And then a short time later, Matthew's going to join him on the journey. And, and then periodically, people just continue to follow him and pattern their life after Jesus and want to know more about him. And pretty soon, we're going to see miracles that, that unfold. And he's going to gather on the, the side 
of a mountain, and, and he's going to feed a multitude. And then he's, he's actually going to, to take care of them and, and meet a need again in their life just a short time later in a different way. And then he's going to heal the blind. And then we have people that, that believe so much in Jesus. They've got a friend that, that can't do anything for himself, and they get him to Jesus with the sole hope and belief that if they can get their friend to Jesus, that Jesus can change their life. They're absolutely convinced that Jesus is unique and that he's set apart and that he is an extraordinary individual with truly a remarkable life. And what happens in that story? There's a crowd. They can't get him to Jesus. They end up taking him up to the, the, to the roof of the house. They tear it apart. They drop him down in, and Jesus heals their friend. And now everybody is talking about this guy named Jesus. Some are really for him, and then some are kind of like, wow, who does this guy think he is? Because he's stepping on our turf. He's in our territory. We're supposed to be the religious leaders, and he's taking away from our crowd. And then pretty soon, we begin to see Jesus making his way to Jerusalem. And as he comes into Jerusalem on the week where Passover would be celebrated, he comes in on Palm Sunday, and scholars tell us that nearly a million people crowded the town of Jerusalem. Now, we don't think much of a million people being in a city, but when you're in a city that's packed in tight and it's not meant to handle a million people flowing through and different things taking place, the streets were crowded, the city was kind of chaotic, it was, it was filled with a lot of happenings, and here comes Jesus riding down the street on a donkey that's borrowed People are, are chanting Hosanna. They're, they're going after Jesus. They're, they're looking for one that's, that's going to change their life right then and there. And then just a few days later, the multitude is going to turn against him. And all of a sudden, those that were cheering for him are now crying out against him. And Jesus finds himself beaten and bloodied, standing before Pilate. And in Mark chapter 15, we see something absolutely extraordinary unfold. In Mark chapter 15, here's what we're going to read as we take a look at it. In verse number 33, it says, Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let, let me ask you something. Have you ever felt alone? Just, just like, man, nobody knows what I'm going through right now. No, nobody knows the struggle. Nobody knows the pain. No, nobody knows the hurt, the anguish, the, the feeling that, that I have on the inside of me right now. You see, if, you, if you've had that, you, you know what I'm, I'm talking about. And I want you to understand today that Jesus knows what you're talking about. He knows what you have experienced or maybe what you are experiencing even in this moment. He cries out to the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I in this position? Why am I feeling like I'm feeling? Why am I experiencing what I am experiencing? Why am I going 
through this moment. Verse number 35, it says this. Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that, he cried out like this and breathed his last. He said, truly, this man was the son of God. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment, and then we're going to get the backstory after I give you a little more, and we just walk through this. I want to read that last verse, verse number 39. So when the centurion, the Roman soldier that's standing by, that has participated in the execution of Jesus, a guy that is an expert in taking the lives of criminals, and now in this setting, one who is completely innocent and done nothing wrong. Here are his words. When he saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Let's talk about something quickly. There's a lot surrounding the story of this Roman soldier. Scripture doesn't tell us this. History and legend tells us that his name was Longinus. And at this moment, Longinus would come to a place where he said, this is so real, I've never seen anything like it. I've never experienced anything like it. I I, I just participated in in something, but, but this man was so unique and he was so different. I've never seen, witnessed, or experienced anything like it. He has to be exactly who he said he was. He handled himself in such a way through the entire process that it's only possible for him to do this and to live out his final moments like this if he truly is the son of God. It's said that Longinus was the one that pierced the side of Jesus, that blood and water would flow out and separate, which the human body does when there's been a trauma, right? Right. It's consistent with, with scientific evidence and things that are there. But, but here's something that's rather interesting. Longinus would go on and live the Christian life, and then he would be persecuted, but it said, it said that Whoever held the spear of Longinus ruled the world. At this point in time, Rome held it. The legend of this man became so strong that rulers all over the world began to believe that whoever held the spear of this Roman soldier that he was said to have went after it because they wanted to rule the world. The legend continued into the 1900s, and it was said to be located in Austria. And the first place that Hitler invaded in an effort to take over the world was Austria in an effort to get that spear. Now, some of you are saying, what does this have to do with Mark chapter 15? It has everything to do with Mark chapter 15, 
in the effect and the reality that this man's life was changed so much that 2,000 years later, people believed what he experienced had some credibility and there was some reality to it. Now, I don't want to tell you about the spear of Longinus today. I want to tell you about the one that changed the life of this man that said, truly, this was the Son of God. Why did he say truly this was the Son of God? Let, let's, let's back up and, and just take a, a look at a, a couple of, of things. It says in verse number 1 of Mark chapter 15, it says immediately in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him to Pilate. And then Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered and said to him, it is as you say. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. How many of you are quick to take up for yourself when somebody says something about you? I mean, when something just gets in your crawl and you know it, it's not true, you just want to respond really quick. And you want to get that word in and you want to have the, the last word, maybe the, the final word. It, it's, a, it's a natural thing to, to want to go ahead and, and just speak that and, and retaliate. But, but here's something that we see in the life of Jesus. We, we see a man that's under complete control and undoubtedly a guy that's looking on that would say, Truly, this man was the son of God, had the opportunity to, to be able to witness some of these things as they're unfolding. Pilate's attention is, is gotten, but Pilate says, wow, I'm marveling at, at what's going on in this moment. It says, now, at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whoever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. So let's just say right there that Barabbas, if it was 2021, would be called a terrorist. Plain, plain and simple. Verse number eight. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them saying, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him who you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to him, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out, all the more crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after that he had scourged him to be crucified. Now when we think about those verses we just read, you see, he says that truly this was the Son of God, and one of the reasons that he says that is, as we read down through those 15 verses, only Jesus could take our place. When we look at what unfolds in those 15 verses, here's what's unfolding and here's what's 
taking place. In the midst of the, the struggle of the week of Passover, in the midst of all the things that are going on, there's this guy named Barabbas who, who is guilty, who has been labeled with the insurrectionist, who has been labeled with the rebellion, who is one that said, man, I want to get rid of some of these leaders and the, the, the way things are, are going right now. Something needs to be done. But here's, here's what we understand. Through that, Barabbas is exchanged for Jesus. Now, why does, why does that matter to you and, and to me? Because we see that Barabbas was clearly guilty, but, but Jesus is innocent. Did, did you notice that Pilate asked the question, what evil has this man done? Pilate's standing there and he's saying, look, he, he's done nothing wrong. He's not trying to defend himself. He's not trying to build his own case. He's not trying to protect things because he's standing there and he's saying, look, I am who I am. I'm the sinless son of God. I have done nothing wrong. This becomes important for you and for me because here's the reality. What we see is this. Barabbas, who, who as much as we may not like it, truly represents me and it represents you. It, it represents an exchange where, where the guilty goes free, but the innocent is punished. That the sin for the just, the traitor for the loyal, the guilty for the innocent... And as we saw what Pilate would say, for the gratification of the crowd rather than Christ, Pilate said, okay, you can make the exchange. You can crucify him. You see, not only does Barabbas represent you, not only does he represent me, but he represents the entire world. You see, he was let go free. Someone that was guilty. Someone that, that anybody could have looked at and said, wow, there, there's evidence that, that he's a sinner, that, that he has done wrong. Yet Jesus standing there never says a word. He never says, wow, you're going to go ahead and exchange this guy for me. You're, you're going to take this bum, this loser, this guy that has nothing to offer, and you're going to substitute my life in for, for his and let him walk away. He never does any of that. He, ju he just stands there, and he takes the beating, he takes the scourging, and he takes the place of Barabbas. Now, I want to tell you something. We have a list of everything that Barabbas did that was wrong. I'm glad it's Barabbas's list and not mine, right? Be because we might have 67 or 68 books if it was mine, right? I mean, we've, we've got 66 books in the Bible. If it was all the things that I had done wrong, and that, that there may be a, a long list that's there, things that added why. Why? Because I've sinned. I've got struggles. I've got failures. I have problems. Yet Jesus gives us a picture in the life of Barabbas, this man that is guilty, this man that has done the crime. No, no doubt about it. Everybody knows. We see the graciousness and the goodness of God allowing an exchange to take place so that Barabbas would be set free and not get the punishment that he deserves, but Jesus Christ would take it in his place. I want to tell you something. One of the reasons, one of the reasons 
that the Roman soldier gets to the end and he says, truly this was the Son of God is because only Jesus could take your place and only Jesus could take my place. Only Jesus. Now when we begin to think about that truth, we see the compassion of the Christ. We see his love for all people. We, we, we see his, his love displayed for, for the guilty criminal, but we also see his, his love and compassion and willingness to die for those that are saying crucify him. It's absolutely amazing that Jesus never defends himself, and as the religious leaders are there, Pilate says, what, what, what is this? You, you guys are just upset because he can work miracles and you can't. I mean, you, you guys are upset because down at the temple, he stands up and he teaches and he says something, and people are going, wow, don't stop, keep going. And when you guys get up and begin to teach, everybody's looking at their watch, their sundial, whatever they had. And they're saying, could you speed this thing up? Right? We, we, we need to, to get moving on. But they, they wanted to linger with Jesus. They, they wanted to be in his presence. And, and Pilate says, look, this is nothing more than jealousy, than envy, than greed. Yet here's the reality. As much as we can't understand it, Jesus takes the place of Barabbas. He takes the place of, of me. He takes the place of you. He takes the place of those religious leaders and he takes their scourging and my scourging and your scourging. And he's going to carry the cross. And he's going to go to the cross. And he's going to die. And in a moment of his death, a Roman soldier who's never seen anything like this before sits and says, wow, this guy, he's real. He's real. You see, Jesus took our place and because he took our place that that means he took the he took the judgment he took the penalty he took the cost of our sin he gave his life and it means that we can have salvation and it doesn't matter who you are today and what you've done Jesus took your place and you can know him and you can be set free today just as Barabbas was set free so long ago you can find that freedom and hope in Christ because of what he did for you. But as we take a look a little further, we discover that in the midst of all of this, only Jesus could be mocked and not moved. It says in verse number 16, then the soldiers led him away into the hall called the Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison. It's just a fancy term for a whole bunch of them. It says, and they clothed them with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off of him and put on his own clothes and led him out to crucify him. When we look at those verses, what does it mean to mock? It means to attempt to deceive. It means to attempt to delude. It means to, to play with. Yet in the midst of, 
of all the things that were taking place, how did Jesus respond? When I say be mocked but not moved, what, what, am, I, what am I talking about? What am I getting at? You see, Jesus was mocked, but he was not moved from humility. Jesus was, was mocked, but he was not moved from his mission. In Mark chapter 10, verse number 45, it says, For the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to seek and to save that which was lost. Think about that for just a moment. That was his mission. That's what he came to do. If ever there was a time to jump from that mission, don't you think it might have been right then, as, as the Bible says, they plainly mocked him and made an effort to hurt him, made an effort to deride him? Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. Here's what it says. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. No reputation. Taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. It says, obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Why? Because the crucifixion was the, the worst form of of death. It was reserved for the lowest of the low, and, and today we wear crosses and display crosses as ornaments of, of decoration, and we look at them as, as religious symbols, but in their day, it was worse than the electric chair. Yet Jesus embraces it. Jesus takes it, and, and he says, look, this is what I've come to do. But in verse number nine, it says this, therefore God also has highly exalted him and even given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did you notice that the Roman soldiers mocked him in that aspect as well? They bowed the knee and made fun of it. But Paul says, one day it's going to happen. Every knee will bow. You see, only Jesus could be mocked and not moved. Pilate and the crowd mocked him, but he didn't move when he was taking our place. He, he was mocked but not moved when the soldiers were beating him and bowing before him and attempting to deceive him and move him from the mission. But there's something else that we see that's extremely important, and it's found in verse number 21. And I want to read down through a few of those verses. It says, when they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross, and they brought him to the place, Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull, when they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him, and then the inscription of his accusation was written above, the king of the Jews. With him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Let's continue to read a little further. It says, And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you, 
who destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves what the scribes said, he saved others himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe even those who were crucified with him reviled him. You see, only Jesus could be placed on the cross but remain in total control. He remained in total control. You know what? The Bible says that he was on that cross so that scripture was fulfilled. He was on that cross to pay for your sin and for my sin. He was on that cross as a picture of a substitutionary sacrifice. He was on that cross while people were ridiculing him and mocking him, yet he remained in total control. You see, most crucifixions contain the elements that were offered to Jesus. They would offer them some type of solution for them to drink, to delude their pain, to help them escape the moment. But you notice Jesus wouldn't take any of it. He didn't remove any of the pain. He didn't take any of the sedatives that they offered. He was beaten. He was brutalized. Not recognizable as a man as we look at the Old Testament and what would be prophesied. Yet the Bible says, as we read a little further, that in death, he dismissed his own spirit. In verse number 33, it says, now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which being interpreted or translated as my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said he's calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and he breathed his last breath. Jesus was in total control. And I want you to understand that in his worst moment, when it looked like Satan was winning, and all hell was having a victory, and evil was gaining triumph in this moment of tragedy, it might appear, it might appear that Jesus wasn't winning. But the Bible says Jesus endured all of it, and when he was ready, he breathed his last breath, and he gave up the Spirit. We read a little bit further, if we were to continue through the chapter, they go and ask for the body of Jesus from Pilate, and Pilate said, he can't be dead yet. We usually let him linger on the cross for a lot longer and, and, and go. Everything that was normal about a crucifixion was different in the crucifixion of, of, of Christ. He was beaten more because he survived more. He, he refused the drink that they would offer because he wasn't going to take anything to diminish the pain caused by my sin, your sin, the sin of Barabbas, the sin of the world. 
You see, only Jesus could take our place. Only Jesus could be mocked and not moved. Only Jesus could be placed on the cross and remain in total control. So, so here's what I, I want us to get. Jesus took our worst and we get his best. And when life is at the worst we think it possibly can be, remember that when life was at the worst for Jesus, Jesus was still in control. And if he's in control when life is at its worst for him, I promise you he's in control when life is at its worst in your life and in my life. No matter what we're facing, he's still in control. No matter what's going on around us, he's still in control. When we don't understand it, when we don't feel like it's right, when we want to just scream with everything we have and say, God, why are you doing this? It may not bring a lot of comfort. It may not ease the pain. It may not remove the hurt, but understand Jesus has already taken your place in every painful moment of life. And he will help you live in the midst of a moment that could move you from the mission and the purpose that he has for you. He will help you live in the moment that's painful knowing that he's still in control. How does that happen? It says in verse number 38... Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, this guy looks and says, truly, this was the Son of God, because only the Son of God could take our place. Only the Son of God could be mocked and not moved from his mission. When, when everything else was going against him, he's mocked, but he's not moved. Only the Son of God could be placed on a cross and be in total control, because the centurion looks and says, nobody dies like this. This guy is who he says he is. And in the midst of that, darkness comes for three hours. It's completely unique. There's an earthquake, and in the temple, a curtain that separated the priest from the Holy of Holies, a place where only they could go on a special day, a special time of year. Now, all of a sudden, that veil, that curtain is torn from top to bottom. And the soldier doesn't know everything that's going on, but he knows something's going on. And the Bible tells you and I that the veil is torn from top to bottom because at that moment, God said, look, I'm tearing down this barrier. I'm ripping it away. And my son, Jesus, is now the way to access me. It's the only Jesus could make the sacrifice that's perfect and once and for all to tear down the veil, to remove the separation. You want to know one of the reasons that some of the scribes and the Pharisees didn't care for Jesus? Because he was taking their job. They envied what he had and what they lacked, but they didn't get that he'd have freely given them everything and given them access to everything he is and to everything God is through a simple relationship with him. So as we come and we wrap up this whole concept of the remarkable life of Christ, 
it concludes with a Roman soldier who has witnessed the death of many people coming and saying, truly, this man is the son of God. Why does that matter? Because only Jesus could take your place on the cross. Only Jesus could be mocked and not moved. Only Jesus could be in total control. And only Jesus in his death could take that barrier and remove the divide. You see, in his death, he removes that divide. The things that separate us from God, the things that create that divide, he's bridging the gap and he's saying, look, you, you can come. He cares. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Today, I don't know what's going on in your life and I don't know exactly where everything is at, but I do know this. Jesus loves you so much. He took your place and he wants nothing more than for you to turn your life to him and trust him to be your savior. And if you've already done that, then that's great. I want you to remember that when you're in a place and you say, man, how can I withstand this? And God, why are you letting this happen to me? Jesus knows and God knows. He's been there and he's right there with you. When you say, I'm, I'm not certain that I can continue on in life on this path, it hurts. Understand that Jesus was mocked, but he wasn't moved because he continued to move forward. We can continue to move forward. Understand that when life seems out of control and chaotic and things are going on around you and you say, man, how do I reel it or rein it all in? Understand that because Jesus is never out of control, when we let our life be under his control, we're not out of control either. And neither are the circumstances of life. And understand this, Jesus removed the things that can divide us, that can cause us to be separated from God. He wants us to stay close and to be right there with him. So God was saying, I'm tearing down that, that curtain because I want you to be close to me. I want you to come close. I want you to trust me with your hurts. I want you to trust me with your problems. I want you to trust me with the struggles of life because I've just displayed that I'm in control and not only do I want to save you, I want to love you, and I want to make you everything that I want you to be. So today, I want to leave you with this thought. Do you say that Jesus is truly the Son of God? Is that who you say he is? Have you trusted him to be your Savior? And I want to leave you with this thought. When people talk about us, when they talk about you, when they talk about me, will they be able to say, truly, they are who they say they are? That's something for us to think about. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we ask you for your help. God, I ask you for comfort and strength for all that are here, that are watching, that are listening. God, I ask that you would remind them that you are everything.
to them. So Lord, I, I ask that as we wrap things up with a moment of prayer, that you would help every one of us. With heads bowed and eyes closed, today I just, just want to ask you, just want to know how I can pray for you. Maybe you're, you're here today and you would say, John, I'm not certain that I know Christ as, as my Savior, but I'd like to know a little bit more about that. If that's you, just, just slip your hand up. I'm not going to call you out in, in any way. I'm, I'm just going to pray for you. All right. You can put that hand down, those hands down. Maybe you're here today. You would say, John, I know Christ is my Savior, but honestly, I got some struggles that are bigger than I am right now. Some things that I'm just struggling with. And I just need you to pray for me. If that's you, just, just raise your hand up. All right. You can put those hands down. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. Lord, for those who have said, I'm not certain that I'm saved. Father, would you help them to just simply trust in you to be their savior. Help them to just simply say, Jesus, the best I know how, I believe that I'm a sinner, that my life is not perfect, that I've disappointed you, that I've missed your mark of perfection, and that I'm trusting you to be my savior. I believe that you died for me, and I believe that you rose again the best I know how, and I'm just putting my faith and trust in you and what you've done to be my savior. Father, help them to do that. Help them to pray that prayer right now and to know that because of what you've done and their simple faith and trust in you, that they can know you as Savior. Father, for those that raised their hand that said they're in the midst of struggles and things that are going on in their life that are bigger than they are, Father, I ask that you would comfort them, strengthen them, guide them, protect them, whatever it might be, God, I ask that you are real and present in their life and help them to know that when we feel like all is lost, when we feel like you're a million miles away, that on that day when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Help us to understand that at that moment, you, you turned your back on him and you did leave him alone. But it wasn't because you didn't love him, it was because he was taking our sin and that moment, judgment was taking place and you did that and he stood in our place so that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that we will never be alone. Help us to know that Jesus endured that so that we don't have to. Father, be with us, we pray. Comfort hearts as only you can, for it's in Christ's name, amen. Well, I want thank to thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope 
with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I wanna encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're a part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.